had a new baby a uh, day or two ago here in our church family. Uh, Eric and Sally Ann Bowman had a little girl. They call her Sylvie. So I just want to pass that on if your friends are know, know Eric and Sally Ann. Um, also, for those of you who may be friends with the Ziggers, Bob and, Z- Bob and Vonnie Zigger, just uh, update with Vonnie. She is still in the hospital up in Hershey. She's been there now for two weeks. It's been a real struggle with her, and she's actually been in and out of a coma a few times. And so um, all we can do is to pray for her. It's one of those difficult things where nobody can get in. Even her family's not allowed in except for her husband, Bob, and and uh, so it's a long, drug-out saga. They are just trying to figure out what's going on. They really don't know. But if you know Vonnie and Bob, just keep them in prayer. And also just would like to acknowledge and mention the fact that we continue to pray both for you, Jeremy, and your family and the loss of your, of your wife so recently. And Brenda McCammon for you and the loss of your husband, Tom, so recently. And <clears throat> I know others of of you here have lost someone or been separated somehow from someone in your own family very closely. I say, I say, Jeremy, I don't want to forget Larry and Rini. She's your girl. She's your girl. She's your daughter. And I know that uh, all of you and all of us miss, miss her and we'll keep you in our prayers. We come to the final chapter of, or I'm sorry, the final verse of the first chapter of the, of the book of James where we have been for some time, and I'd like to read it and then come back to this question where I have, where it has the word religion with a question. This is verse 26 and 27 at the end of chapter 1 of the book of James, where he says, If anyone considers himself religious... And does not yet keep a tight and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself, and his religion is worthless. Now there's a thought. I'll come back to it. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look at I'm sorry, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So he mentions three things. He mentions in verse 26, keeping a tight rein on your tongue. In other words, zip your lip sometimes. That's one thing, and he connects connects that to religion. And then the next verse, he connects this idea of helping out people like the orphans and the widows and the widowers and so forth. And then he also talks about staying morally pure or keeping ourselves from being dragged into the world system. He mentions these three things and he, and he connects them or ties them in with religion that's real, with pure, true, authentic, real religion. So uh, I thought, well, let's start out by just asking ourselves, what in the world does this word mean? And if you've done any reading or study at all, I'm sure you're not going to be shocked at what I'm going to say. And that is that if you really do much study about religion, you will soon see in all the different writings and things, that there is no universally accepted definition of what religion even is. If you read articles about religion from different writers and different perspectives, you'll find different measuring posts. You'll find different 
standards and different definitions. So it's one of these drive you crazy type things when um, we all know there are different religions, but as to what a religion actually is, there's a lot of different ideas. For example, many people will say, well, it's some sort of a system. A religion is a, is a, is, is a, uh, I just lost my word. A religion is a, a connection of thinking. And there's usually a person. It might be Krishna. It might be Haile Selassie if you're a Rastafarian. It might be Mohammed, the prophet Muhammad. It might be Jesus Christ. There's usually a person at the core of, of many religions. Not all of them, but many of them. The Buddha. There's, there's someone who is the focal point, the laser focal point of this connection with God. And if somehow I can get on this person's right side, somehow if I can decipher or understand or obey this person's writings, there's usually a set of writings, so it could be the Veda or of, of the, San, or the Sanskrit, uh, the, the Hindu, ancient Hindu text could be the Holy Bible for us, the Koran or whatever. Um, some sort of uh, a combination of these things that form a, a system together. If, if, you, if you fall in line with this, then you fall in line with that. That this is what some people would say is a religion. Other people would say, no, 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 no. Religion is not an organized structure. Religion is something, religion is something you do, man. You got to pray. You got to preach. You got to take a pilgrimage. You got to swim in the Ganges River. Or there's, you know, there's... In other words, the, the focus of some people in their understanding of religion is that it's, uh, it's something that you do, something that you accomplish for spiritual purposes, of course, and there are spiritual rewards attached to it, but that's the essence of what the... And so for the Muslim, for example, you've got to make the pilgrimage, you've got to make the Hajj, you have to end up at the Kaaba in Mecca. You've got to do that, because that's considered uh, an essential part of it's something you do. And millions of them do it every year. Some people say, no, 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 it's not something you do. It's something you believe. You don't have to do anything to be part of a religion or to have a religion. But you do have to intellectually accept certain things. You have to have certain morals or ethics of behavior you have to have certain beliefs about a supreme being or the afterlife or our connection with him and so forth. All I'm saying is all these different ideas float around and, and they're all connected somehow with religion. And there's, there's no one place or there's no one able to say without any exceptions, this is what Religion is, this is what religion should be for everybody. Here's the universal definition and everybody needs to accept it like this. It just never quite happened that way. I don't think you can see this very well. It's a tribal type of a religion, uh, Africa, where they're gathered around a, some altar there and their candles and their sacred dress. Uh, here, of course, is the inside the... Um, where the Muslims are worshiping there, bowed in prayer. Here's, of course, the, the focal point of much of today's Jewish religion. They no longer have the temple. They no longer have the sacrificial system. So that they have the Korah, uh, the Torah, I'm sorry. Started to say Koran and Torah at the same time. And so 
uh, they have their object of devotion and of, fo- of focus. Um, here are some Hindus in the Ganges River, and they, uh, you know, they certainly. This is one of the entry points, one of the pillars, I would say, of, of their religion. Here's a group of people kind of like us on a Sunday morning. Just a group of Christian believers gathering in a house of worship. Um, <clears throat> you know, we're planning on building an addition onto our church. Uh, I was looking at this and thought, man, we could get it looking something like this. I don't know. It uh, <clears throat> seems to be rather fancy and seems to have a lot of thought going to it. <laughs> I mean... Fantastic, amazing. It's a structure, but it's all part of, uh, uh, you know, it's all part of the religion. Uh, I didn't think, I feel sorry for these guys. I mean, you know, Buddha looks quite happy there, smiling in his contentedness. They don't look like they're too happy. I know the picture's poor, but I kind of feel sorry for them. But, you know, their, their whole life, these men are devoted to something so different than you and I. Um, Carol said to me when I brought this picture, Carol, our secretary, oh, please don't put that thing on there. That is, that's revolting. And I said, well, just for a second, you're not going to be here. You don't have to look at it. But this is part of the religion uh, of some people. Here's a Greek Orthodox festival. They're probably heading into the holy tomb. But this is, this is a, a whole different world away than butchering the calf and, and down at the market. Oh, here's, a, here's some Hindus. I, I apologize. Carol didn't like this one either. <laughs> You know, this is, this is a festival, a Hindu festival, where self-sacrifice and self-mutilation is, is part of the expressing of the devotion to the gods. And I, I, I just had to put this picture in here because I just thought, to me, this picture was so uh, iconic. Where, where it just looks like, what's going on in his head? <laughs> I wouldn't you give a hundred bucks to know what's going on in this guy's head. And... And it's just sort of, to me, I don't know, it just kind of captured this puzzle, this conundrum, that all of us human beings on this planet who believe somehow there's something more, and we want to be sure to connect, we want to be sure to, 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 to handle our life in a right way that's going to meet approval. I mean, if God made the universe, and God is going to require... Um, He's going to require accountability from his universe. I want to be on the right side. I don't want to be on the bad side of God. I want to end up on his good side. And I can just imagine this guy sitting here saying like the prophet Micah in the Old Testament, chapter 6. Who has, what does the Lord thy God require of thee? What does God require? Um, what, what religion should I have or what religion should I be? Okay. It might surprise you, I don't know, it might not, to think about this in the, in, the, in the Bible. The word religion is hardly ever used. Hardly ever. It's used, I think, like four times in the New Testament, and that's it. One of them, is, or two of them, is here in James, where I just read. Here's a place where Paul describes his former life before he became a Christian. And he said, yeah, I had religion. I, had, uh, uh, I, had very, uh, I was a very strict adherent to a religion. So he does use that term, and, but it's not used very often in the Bible because the focus of the Bible is, um, well, we'll come back to that, but I want to start here, and I know you're saying, oh my, it's quarter tail, and he's just getting started, but let me, let me start with this thought. What is important 
And what I guess we we'll want us to think about is this fact that James says, well, if, if you can't hold your tongue, if your life is so out of control that you don't have any uh, ability, you don't have any brakes and you don't have any steering wheel, your religion's kind of worthless. And I think that's an interesting, challenging thing to think about. What does my religion accomplish? I mean, I, I, this is the word, at least the NIV translates this word as worthless. Well, there's a lot of money spent on religion. There's a lot of time devoted to religion. There's a lot of sacrifice given to religion. And you know, I, I put this last sentence there because I've heard people say to me many times, I find great comfort in my religion. I've heard that phrase a thousand times. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I, I am sure that we are at times impressed by the religion of other people. In other words, maybe, uh, maybe it's, it doesn't do God any good, but it impresses a lot of other people. James says that's worthless. You don't need to worry in the end about whether it brought you comfort or whether it made other people impressed. Is it acceptable to God? That's his question. That's his, his, his point. He wants, he wants to bring out religion that's not worthless, but religion that is actually, as he says in verse 27, religion that's acceptable to God. Maybe you just enjoy being religious. You know, I think those, I, I often think of the Muslims on their way to Mecca at the, at the time of the, of the great Hajj, the great journey there to commemorate when Abraham offered Isaac on the altar. There's millions of them, and they come by plane and bus and boat and everything else, and you've seen these pictures on TV where it's just clots of people and clogs of pilgrims. And I, I've, I've thought to myself, I mean, of course, I'm no Muslim, and I don't have any desire to go over there and, and, and march around this big black stone. But it's probably fun, because they're just... Filled with the enthusiasm of all these millions and thousands, hundreds of thousands or millions of other people. And they're all caught up in this common objective. And I think, well, it's probably fun. Probably enjoy it, you know, in an emotionally high time for them. And James says, it's okay if it's enjoyable or comforting or impressive. But is it acceptable to God? That's what really matters. Otherwise, it's, otherwise it's just kind of worthless. So, what makes religion acceptable to God? I want to mention two things. The first one is faith. In other words, if you don't have faith, you really don't have religion. You don't have... There's no borders to your picture. It just goes on and on forever and it, and it becomes absorbed into everything else and it doesn't mean anything. In other words, an atheist doesn't... An atheist doesn't have religion. An atheist is not religious. Uh, if, you look in a, if you look in an encyclopedia of religions, it'll probably have humanism and atheism in there. But it, it's not true. How can, how can an atheist who doesn't accept the existence of a being above us be considered to be religious? If the point of religion is somehow a connection with this being. Um, 
So we've got to start with faith. You know, Hebrews 11 says, if you come to God, you've got to believe that He exists and that He rewards people who come to Him looking for this reward. You have to, somehow or other, that's got to sink into your skull. And you have to believe this. In Romans chapter 5, Paul says there that it is faith which gives us access to God through Christ. So, uh, the, the, the first ingredient of a religion or making a religion acceptable to God is faith. <clears throat> and... Uh, And that, to me, is what actually initiates the relationship with God, which is, of course, quite often what the Bible, what this book talks about. This book stresses a relationship and a fellowship with God, the establishment of an intimacy and a fellowship with God. And and so, but you have to start with faith. It has to be a, a beginning place. <clears throat> and that's the connection with what I'm calling religion. And i got to stop here and just go on a little rant for just a second. I hear this all the time, and I get so tired of it. And I, I, just, I, I sometimes want to just shut my ears and go like this. When people say, oh, you know, it's not about religion, it's about relationship. Um, I, I, uh, I love Jesus, but I don't want interested in the church. I don't want the formal religion. I don't want organized religion. I just want to have a relationship with God. <clears throat> but <clears throat> they try to make it sound as if somehow there's a discrepancy or a dichotomy or a, a, a contradiction between religion and relationship. And I'm saying to you, no, that's not true. It is out of religion, the organized and structured and accountable part of, the, of life with God as it's revealed here. It's out of that that relationship is born and relationship flows. Um, if you're married and your husband said to you or your wife said to you, and if you're not married, don't worry about it. It'll never happen to you, hopefully. But let's say your husband says to you one day, you know what? I don't really want to be married. Um, I mean, I don't want to eat food with you. I don't want to hang around the house. I don't even want to have to come home. I feel like I, I have to come home. I don't want to go on vacation with you. I don't really want to, um, you know, I don't want to sit down and plan or set a goal. I mean, you can't have any of my money. I don't even want I just want to have a relationship, baby. But I don't want to do any of the other. I don't want to be married. I don't want to spend my life with you. I don't want to spend my time with you. I just want to have a relationship, baby. What would you say to somebody that said that? You'd say, well, that's nuts. How are we supposed to have this relationship if we don't ever eat together or spend time together or go on a vacation together or, you know, we don't, we don't, have, we don't have any structure if we don't have any plan, if we don't have any expectations on each other Oh, I just want to have a relationship, baby. What is a relationship? I mean, it exceeds the structure, but it flows out of structure. In other words, if somebody says, as people do, well, I just want Jesus, man. I don't want the church. But the Scripture says, in fact, we have the Scripture because of religion, because God called a people together 
You know, the Old Testament word for church is the Hebrew word is kahal, and that means to be called, summons, brought together to a place. And and so, uh, those who say, "Well, I don't, I don't want to participate. I don't want to hear the creed. I don't want to say the prayer. I don't want to sing the song. I don't want to sit in in the preaching and the teaching." I just want a relationship, man. What they're, what they're revealing to me is they don't even understand what a relationship is. They're mistaking, and I know what happens, they're mistaking emotion, emotion for relationship. And they're saying, oh, I just want to be happy in God. I want to just say, hey, God, you're groovy, and I hope you'll help me to be groovy. And, but I don't want to have to give or sacrifice or think or obey or in any way make myself accountable or be part of a, a, a structure that is organized to bring, bring praise to the Lord. And, and I'm just saying it's kind of equivalent to somebody that says, well, I don't really want to be married. I just want to have a relationship. And yet it is, and, and, and yet it is the structure. It is... Uh, it, it is the, uh, the church of God, the body of Christ, that informs our relationship with God, that carries our relationship with God, that, that supports our relationship with God during those long, sometimes dry, sometimes sad, sometimes lonely times when the emotion and the excitement are non-existent. But we have the church. We have, we have the religion that supports and infuses and actually gives birth to the relationship in the beginning. And so I'm, I'm simply saying, I, I know I'm, I go off on a side on that, but I'm simply saying when people say, and I've probably said it at times in certain instances, well, Christianity isn't really a religion as much as it is a relationship. That's true, but don't say it's not a religion. Um, it, is, it is the organized system that is put together, that is focused on, on Christ, as we heard in our creed this morning. But, but it's, not just simply, it's not just simply intellectual either. But this is where the relationship with God starts. Okay, acknowledging God, I reject the self-centered. This is, this is what faith means. It means I turn towards God on the one hand, and I say, well, I'm going to pay attention to you. On the other hand, I turn away from myself. I'm sorry, let me back up. I turn away from myself. I reject just self-centered living and I turn towards God. In other words, this is, this is what faith... Faith isn't just an idea that says, hmm, uh, in the scale of things, on the scale of things, could there be a great mind that holds it all together? Yeah, probably. That's not really faith. Faith is turned away from me and turning towards the Lord. Actually making something work and something happen. And, if, and James is saying, look, if you, don't, if you just have a flurry of emotion and that's all, you're, it's, it's worthless in the end. Okay. So, I'm, 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 I know I'm dragging my time here a little much, but just hang with me for a second if you, if you can do that. What makes religion acceptable? I mentioned faith. The second is motive. And that's where I want to come to this verse in, in, in James. Uh, what he's saying is, he says, when, if you want to understand what pure religion is, look inside. Don't just look outside. Look inside. 
Because God sees inside. We can't fake this. We can fake it before people. And we do. People do this all the time. But we, we cannot fake it before Him. So, He mentions these three things. And I want to hit each one or just talk about each one very briefly. First one is... Talking about a tongue, he says you got to put it. You got to be able. You got to be able. If your religion, if you don't want your religion to end up being worthless, you got to be able to control yourself. And he specifically mentions your lips. You 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 have to be able to sometimes just go, and then you know your religion is worth something. Then you know your religion is helping. You know your religion is working. Now he mentions speech. I'm simply saying. The principle of the thing is not just speech. The principle is self-control. And it can apply to other areas of life. It's not just speech. In other words, in other words, I can't say, well, as long as I'm going to beat Ed up here. And while I'm beating him, it's okay I beat him up as long as I'm not cussing him out while I'm beating him up. That's okay. I've just kept control of my tongue. But the other, there's no control in the other part of me. No, no, that's not what he's saying. He's simply using that as an example. You have, to control, you have to control your speech. But the, but the bigger issue is to be able to have the ability to have control of your own life. That What, what I'm calling here self-control. Um, I had something happen to me this week. I don't know whether you ever had this happen or not, but it was a bizarre moment. I was brushing my teeth one day. And I'm, you know, and the foam's starting to roll out and... Everything's foamed up real good. And right at that moment, out of nowhere comes a sneeze. I mean, this, <laughs> this big sneeze starts coming. I don't know whether you've ever had to sneeze while you're brushing your teeth or not. I don't know if you... I, don't, I, I thought about it later. I don't think I ever had that particular combination come upon me at the same time. And I could only think of one thing. <laughs> I cannot sneeze. I can't blow slime all over this bathroom. I, I mean, I don't want a divorce for one thing. And, and I mean, it was, it was quite a dilemma there for a little bit. And I'm just doing every possible thing. And sneezes are pretty hard to squelch sometimes. And this was, I mean, I'm like... And, and just dancing around there, trying my best. And eventually, I was able to somehow make the thing go away for a while. And, and, I, and I saved... The mirror and I saved the whole countertop and everything else. But sometimes it is it, it, it is the hand of God and what he calls here religion. It comes to us and it is the only thing we can turn to to help us squelch down something where we don't want to go. And he says you gotta keep a rein on it. You gotta tamp that baby down. It is called self-control. If you can't do that, then your religion isn't helping you. It's worthless. So, this is the motive that says, I want to honor God by having self-control. Here's a second one. I want to honor God. That's the external kind of, you know, I, I, things I do. Now, this is more in, in my response on the inside. How do I handle or how do I respond to people who, when they have needs? He mentions the orphans and the widows. We realize that it could be many other types of needs where folks just don't, they need help. 
Do I just walk on past and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that you have this problem? Or is there a compassion? Is there a mercy that arises from within me? Specifically towards and specifically brought on by that person's inability and their incapacity and their suffering. This is, he's saying, if that happens, you got the real deal. You got something real. If it doesn't happen, then you're probably worthless whatever it is that you have or think that you have. And then the third thing he talks about is keeping yourself unspotted or unpolluted from the world around us. Now, the world, just as a definition here, you know, you know what this is, but he's talking about the world system. You can call it politics, you can call it culture, you can call it the world philosophy. But basically, you know how it is that the governments and the, the, the cultures of our world generally are just so proud that they ignore God, often. And, and it's, you know, it says in the New Testament that this world is actually under the sway or the, the influence of Satan. And we understand, here's the tricky part, we understand that we're in the world, but we can't be of the world. So what this means is, as a Christian religion, in the Christian religion, what this means is that I need to have compassion and passion and interest and involvement in the, in, the, in the social problems and the things that cause people to suffer in the world. You know, there's a, there's a plethora of, of social issues out there and social justice and all this kind of stuff. We can't withdraw from all that and say, well, I don't care about all that. We do need to care and we need to be involved in whatever way we can in the affairs of our world. However, the sin that caused those social problems to exist should not influence us. It shouldn't change our thinking. In other words, I can be out here helping somebody with this particular problem all day long and still never have that problem. That's what I should be able to do. Because I do not let myself, I'm involved in the world, but I'm not being polluted by the world. I'm not being um, corrupted by the world. And, and so this is, this is what he's saying, that I walk a fine line between being, involvement, being involved and, and, and being influenced. We can be involved in things without having them influence us. And, and we, we have to do that. We are in this world but yet we are not of this world. <clears throat> I think, okay, let me see, I'll read this and we're, we're done. We must be compassionate and passion, but we must not allow the culture that produced those problems to have an impact on our life and our thinking. That's what I was trying to say. So he mentions these three things as, as principles. It's not just about keeping your tongue silent when you need to. That's just the, the symptom of the greater principle of self-control. It could be a lot of other areas as well. But when I'm able to see that this relationship with God is influencing these areas of my life, that I can't just ignore this person with their needs because my relationship with God pulls me into getting involved. When I, when I realize that, and, 
And when I know that that is true and real, then I know that my religion is not worthless, but is actually real religion. Oh God, our Heavenly Father, would you stand with me for a moment?